Hey there, it's Dan Dan, and we are going to dive into a step study today. We are using the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, and today we are at the very beginning of step three. So step three is on page 30, and it's a really great step. We turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. The exact wording is a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And when we go back to our big book, our original source, the 18 years before this book is written, we find out why we're going to do this. And leading into this step on page 62, it talks about how selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. And then the next paragraph says, so our troubles, we think, we being the people in AA, that have worked this program or let this program change their lives and have successfully stayed sober, they think, we think our troubles are basically of our own making. So we had to quit playing God, it says in there. And how do exactly do we do that? And why would we want to do that? Well, because we've gone through this process of reflecting on our lives and we want to make a major, major change that we've been unable to affect up until this point. So we get to this idea of God and we're going to talk about God here in step three. The first part of this whole deal is willingness. So I want to give you a quick idea of willingness before we read it that might help it come to mind a little differently. And that is the book's going to talk about the key of willingness. And I want you to think about it as a key to your car. Because we want to put a lot, I don't know about you guys, but what I think about and what I believe, especially when it comes to spiritual stuff, you know, religious stuff, what I believe is so important to me. And I can go out to a car and I can tell it what I think and what I believe. And I can tell my car passionately what do I think? And I'm just, I may get in there and tell it to it. Say, man, I think, and I believe this. And then, you know, wait a second, put the key in it, start the car, tell it what you think and believe, get into it. Let your car have it. Shut it off. Tell it what you think and believe again. You'll, you'll see that what you think and believe currently right now in the moment, whatever it was, you wanted to holler at your car, proclaim or declare or let it know you're absolutely certain of, didn't matter. It didn't matter. You put the key in the car, and with just a little bit of willingness, the willingness to merely put the key in the car and turn it on, or grab that fob and press the button, the willingness to do that set into motion all sorts of parts in the car. And you didn't make any of those parts and you didn't design any of those parts. And those parts cross many generations of human beings and go all the way around the globe and their ingenuity and where they're made and where the resources to make the part itself come from. And somehow or another, they're assembled up under the hood of your car or your truck or whatever it is and put together so meticulously that they work in synchronicity with one another. And all you got to do is turn the key and they start rolling and they start doing all sorts of things you can't do that you really had nothing to do with, but you benefit from. It didn't matter what you thought. It didn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter who you are, who you think you are, how much money you have, who your daddy is, what you've done in the past, how much you drank, how much you doped, how much you did any of those things. It just doesn't matter. The car will start. 
all those parts start working together and it will hurl your vehicle thousands of pounds of metal and plastic on down the road at 70 miles an hour, something you simply cannot do yourself, but definitely want to do. And because you wanted to do it, you were willing to put the key in the car and turn it. That's the amount of willingness we're talking about. That's the type of willingness we're talking about. So as we get into step three, it's, I think, important. In my experience, it was very important for me to dump all my certainty, to get rid of all my prejudging, all the things I think I already know that the book calls prejudice, and, and move into this idea that willingness is all it takes. Just a, and it's just a little bit of willingness. So it starts off fantastically that way. So let's, let's dive on into step three here. Step three, that is page 29 of your 12 steps and 12 traditions. Here we go. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Underlined, italicized, make no mistake. It's as we understood him. Practicing step three is like the opening of a door, which to all appearances is still closed and locked. All we need is that key, is a key and the decision to swing the door open. There is only one key. There's not like two keys. And the key isn't what you believe. It's not your certainty, your religion, your lack of religion, your certainty that there is no religion. It's not your religious book, your temple, your sacred place. It's not your special dude, your preacher, whoever, you know, it's not that. It's willingness. The key is called willingness and it is called willingness. Once unlocked by the key of willingness, by willingness, the door opens almost of itself, just like that motor. It just starts rolling. And looking through it, we shall see a pathway beside which an inscription, it reads, this is the way to a faith that works. In the first two steps, we were engaged in reflection, just mental activity, right? We saw that we were powerless over alcohol, but we also perceived that faith of some kind, if only in AA itself, is possible to anyone who anyone. That's right. These conclusions did not require action. They required only acceptance. Like all the remaining steps, step three calls for affirmative action. For it is only by action that we can cut away the self-will, which is always blocked the entry of God, or if you like, a higher power into our lives. So that, that, that action of turning the key in the car, right? That's it. That's all it took. It didn't matter what you thought, what you felt. But if you just refuse to put that key in the car because you're just sure the car's not going to start or you're sure it's not going to work or you're sure something's wrong with it and you're just not going to even bother with it, well, then it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. And it's so simple and obvious, right? If you don't put the key in the car and turn it, the car's not going to start. It's not going to take you where you want to go. So, you know, it's that simple. That's what they're saying here. So it says, faith to be sure is necessary. Believing the car will start, right? Faith to be sure is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. You must use the key of willingness. We can have faith, yet keep God out of our lives. Therefore, our problem now becomes just how and by what specific, these are exact instructions, specific means, shall we be able to let him in? Step three represents our first attempt to do this. In fact, the effectiveness of the whole AA program will rest upon how well and earnestly, meaning seriously and with truthful authenticity, earnestly we have tried to come to 
a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So a lot of times today and in religious circles, they kind of got the same idea. And that is to turn our will and our lives is to turn our will being our thoughts and our lives, our actions over to the care of God as we understand him. Our thoughts and our actions. To every worldly and practically minded beginner, this step looks hard, even impossible. No matter how much one wishes to try, exactly how can he turn his will and his life over to the care of whatever God he thinks there is? Fortunately, we who have tried it and with equal misgivings can testify that anyone, anyone at all, can begin to do it. We can further add that a beginning, even the smallest, is all that is needed. Like just turning that key in the car, right? Just a tiny beginning. Just boom, you know? Real easy. Once we have placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. Though self-will may slam it shut again, as it frequently does, it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. Remember the first time you drove a car? Remember the first time you rode a bike? Like you couldn't think of going fast, you know? You're just like able to hang on. It was very intimidating to go down the road. You didn't want to go fast. First time you get on a highway, it seems like everybody's going so fast. And it's not long until you're getting tickets, right? Because we're alcoholics. We do that kind of thing. But in any case, it's that you'll get more comfortable with this. And with comfort will come capacity. Your capacity for greater faith. Your capacity for greater trust. And if you're using AA as a program itself, Get all the way into these steps and begin to take them out as tools. Let them work you. Let them change you. Let them make you something different. And you may find that it works really well. And your ability as you become comfortable with them will become greater. So let's go on. Maybe this all sounds mysterious and remote. I sure hope not, but maybe it does. Something like Einstein's theory of relativity or a proposition in nuclear physics. It isn't at all. Let's look at how practical it actually is. Every man and woman who has joined AA and intends to stick has, without realizing it, made a beginning on step three because they came in the door. That key of willingness was just walking into the meeting. Isn't it true that in all matters touching upon alcohol, each of them has decided to turn his or her life over to the care, protection, and guidance of Alcoholics Anonymous? Already a willingness has been achieved to cast out one's own will In other words, I'm going to swear off for the millionth time. And one's own ideas, I'm going to swear off and I'm going to do it by swimming every day. I'm going to swear off. I'm going to start going to church all the time. I'm going to read this particular book. I'm going to switch relationships. I'm going to move here. My own ideas about the alcohol problem in favor of those suggested by AA. Any, again, any, how many, any, who, any willing newcomer feels sure AA is the only safe harbor for the foundering vessel he has become. Now, if this is not turning one's will and life over to a newfound providence, then what is it? And I'll tell you what I think. Sometimes I like to think it's just following a different set of directions. And if you can't surround yourself with the idea of God and this power greater than yourself isn't, you know, met with ease with you, then just say, look, I'm just going to try this. You Judge this by whether it works or not. Not by the type of God or religion or sanctity 
mystery, mystification of it all. Will it work or won't it work? And look around the room. You know it worked for them. This is suggesting it'll also work for you. We go on. But suppose that instinct still cries out, as it certainly will. Yes, respecting alcohol, I guess I have to be dependent upon AA. But in all other matters, I must still maintain my independence. Nothing is going to turn me into a non-entity. If I keep on turning my life and my will over to the care of something or somebody else, what will become of me? I'll look like the hole in the donut. This, of course, is the process by which instinct and logic always seek to bolster egotism. And in other words, it's trying to make something really strong. It's trying to let the ego out. And the ego is one of them really crazy things that convinces us it's not there, right? It comes through a certainty and rightness in previous experience. It comes through with the idea that once it was one way, it will always be that way. And that I sit at the center of that equation. Egotism tells me I know the answer of the future already. So this, of course, is the process by which instinct and logic always seek to bolster egotism. Got to watch out for logic. Got to watch out for automatic responses. And so frustrate spiritual development. The trouble is that this kind of thinking, we're going to get into that in a second, thinking, right? The will, thinking, takes no real account of the facts. It's not objective. And the facts seem to be these. You guys ready? The more we become willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. Woo! Therefore, dependence, as AA practices it, is really a means of gaining true independence of the spirit. How in the world can that be? Well, we're going to go on and find out. Let's examine for a moment this idea of dependence at the level of everyday living. In this area, it is startling to discover how dependent we really are and how unconscious of that dependence. We don't even know it. In the car analogy, you're dependent on generations of people, incredibly smart folks, thousands of patents, giant factories, right? All sorts of different businesses coming together and synchronizing their efforts into the moment this car is assembled. The sales lot, the roads, the traffic lights, the switches, the radio, the comfort of the seat, the seatbelt, and it can go on and on and on. It's just a never-ending connection to all the things you're dependent on. That's just a car, you know, we can get into all sorts of other stuff too. In this area, it is startling to discover how dependent we really are and how unconscious of that dependence we actually are, right? Every modern house has electric wiring carrying power and light to its interior. We are delighted with this dependence. Our main hope is that nothing will ever cut off the supply of current. By so accepting our dependence upon this marvel of science, we find ourselves more independent personally. So like so long as the electricity is working, I don't need to be dependent on day and night. So long as the electricity is working, I don't have to find a way to stay warm or cold because I have air conditioning and heat, right? These kind of things. So I'm free to do the things that I actually want to do in a sense. So it goes on. Not only are we more independent, we're even more comfortable and secure. Power flows just where it is needed, silently and surely. Electricity, that strange energy so few people understand, 
which even today we don't know really what it is, meets our simplest daily needs and our most desperate ones too. Ask the polio sufferer. And that's, you know, if you've got a polio guy down the road from you, somebody hanging out with you, the polio sufferer. We don't have that today, but you can find a lot of people out there that have deficits of different kinds that rely on different things. It says, ask the polio sufferer confined to an iron lung who depends with complete trust upon a motor to keep the breath of life in him. Ask anybody with a cell phone in their hand, one of these smart suckers, who doesn't believe that they're really quite dependent on it for their relationships in business and personal, for their information from the world, such as news, for a sense of connectivity, for a place to research. But they don't make any of that. You didn't put a whole lot, even if you put something in Google, it's not much. But it sits there waiting on you. But the moment our mental or emotional independence is in question, oh, you're not going to tell me I'm not independent. How differently we behave. This is completely delusional. That's what I think. And I discovered that about myself, that I had this delusion of independence, that this idea that I'm a, well, I'm a soul entity. I am me, authentic, large and in charge, making things happen over here on planet Earth. I am in control. That turned out not to be true. How persistently we claim the right to decide all by ourselves, just what we shall think and just how we shall act. There it is. Our will and our life. Think and act. Oh, yes. We'll weigh the pros and cons of every problem in our own opinions. And our own opinions will be built out of these criteria. Do I like it or not? Do I think it's right or wrong? Do I think it's good or bad? Those kind of things. When I don't really know. We'll weigh our pros and cons. Anyway, we'll listen politely to those who would advise us, but all the decisions are to be ours alone. Nobody is going to meddle with our personal independence in such matters. Besides, we think there is no one we can surely trust. You don't trust yourself? You're an alcoholic and you don't trust yourself? You don't trust yourself to not drink? You know all the commitments you've been unable to keep? No wonder you can't trust other people. No wonder you think when someone says, trust nobody, you're like, that's right. That's right. Trust nobody. Anyway, we are certain that our intelligence, and a lot of us think we are pretty darn smart, backed by willpower, mm, my strength of my thoughts, can rightly control our inner lives and guarantee us success in the world we live in. This brave philosophy wherein each man plays God, what? Sounds good in the speaking, but it still has to meet the acid test. Hmm, what would that be? How well does it actually work? One good look in the mirror ought to be answer enough for any alcoholic. How's it going so far, big brave drinker? How's it going so far, the master blaster of, you know, whatever drink you love? Should his own image in the mirror be too awful to contemplate, and it usually is, he might first take a look at the results normal people are getting from self-sufficiency. Everywhere he sees people filled with anger and fear, society breaking into warring fragments. Each fragment says to the others, we are right and you are wrong. Every such pressure group, if it is strong enough, self-righteously imposes its will upon the rest. Sound familiar? Who's in that world today? This is written a long time ago, 
Who lives in that world today? Some things just don't change, do they? And everywhere, the same thing is being done on an individual basis. The sum of all this mighty effort is less peace and less brotherhood than before. Might be why taking some of the traditions into your life make a difference. Particularly the tradition of not having an opinion on outside issues. The philosophy of self-sufficiency is not paying off. Plainly enough, it is a bone-crushing juggernaut whose final achievement is ruin. Therefore, we who are alcoholics can consider ourselves fortunate indeed. Each of us have had his own near-fatal encounter with the juggernaut of self-will and has suffered enough under its weight to be willing to look for something better. Willing to look for something better. Are you willing to look for something better? That's all we're asking you to do. So it is by circumstance, by circumstance, by our situations that we've got ourselves in, by the fact that our troubles we think are basically of our own making, that selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of our trouble, creates these circumstances rather than by any virtue or moral behavior that we have been driven, reluctantly forced, unable to stop it, made to go to AA. We have admitted defeat. We have acquired the rudiments of faith, which is the basics of it, right? And now want to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a higher power. The steps can be your higher power. Go all the way to them. Do them to the very best of your ability. Focus on them. Listen to your sponsors. Get outside help. Go to the step meetings. Study this. If you will negate the word God altogether, it's fine. It's just a word. It's an idea. And we're going to get into that in a second. We realize that the word dependence is as distasteful to many psychiatrists and psychologists as it is to alcoholics. Like our professional friends, we too are aware that there are wrong forms of dependence. We have experienced many of them. No adult man or woman, for example, should be in too much emotional dependence upon a parent. They should have been weaned long before. And if they have not been, They should wake up to the fact this very form of faulty dependence has caused many a rebellious alcoholic to conclude that dependence of any sort must be intolerably damaging. But dependence upon an AA group or upon a higher power hasn't produced any baleful results. Means threatening harm or evil is baleful. All right, so what we're talking about here is how do I become willing? How do I do willing. What in the world is willing? It's like a state of mind. Woo! We get into all the mystery of the consciousness and, you know, am I present in the moment? Okay, so how do I become willing? So what I want to do is connect some ideas to you. And one of them is willing and the concept of readiness. If you go searching around the dictionaries, you will find that willingness and readiness are intimately tied together. There's a couple of different ways to look at it, and I want to extrapolate out this way. That willingness is a precursor to readiness. They work hand in hand. And willingness will come when you're able to do things in spite of and in concert with your different feelings and your different thoughts. And I mean different from the idea of God that's presented here in the big book different from the idea of religion, different from the idea of different spiritual tracks that you may be involved with. 
but in concert with them at the same time. So if you belong to a religion, you don't stop doing that religion. This isn't an affront to that religion. You do this to make that religion better, to understand it better. And if you're a part of some spiritual path, some practice, this isn't in replacement to it. It's a supplement to it. It helps make it better. It's not AA's responsibility to manifest your religion. And it's not the people in AA's responsibility to become a part of your spiritual path. It's your responsibility to practice step three so that you carry the message of recovery into AA. It's our job. The program works through us. We love to say we work the steps, which is that selfishness and self-centeredness. I'm in control, self-will. I am exerting my will to work the step. And I think that the truth is that the step works us. We become willing and humble and we let these processes work through us and we learn from other people's experience, which is talked about in the first step. So that's what we're talking about. How do we become willing and ready? And how we do it is that we pray. So we get this third step prayer in the big book. And this is how we do it. So it'd be very interesting to hear from everybody how they came to this willingness to change how we think and we act. How do we get to the idea that, you know, the way I think is pretty messed up and my behavior in this world has been, well, you know, at least less than ideal, right? Willing and then ready. What is ready to do this? Well, when you can step ahead in the program and continue to do what other people suggest in spite of and in concert with your current thoughts and feelings, because they really don't matter. They don't have to control anything. Just like in the analogy at the beginning of the car, the thoughts and feelings didn't matter then. They don't matter now. This God of your understanding is going to come through if you'll do this. A lot of people think of it as cause and effect. It's that reliable. It's that reliable, that it rains on everybody. The sun shines on everybody. Gravity holds even the nastiest thing straight down on planet Earth. So before we step away from step three, it's important that we discuss this prayer right now. So we get to page 63 and right in the middle of the page, it says we are now at step three. This is back in the big book just for a second. And it says, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. God, here I am. I I can't do this and I'm done. I'm done. Just do with me whatever it is you want me to do. I'm going to do this program and let's just see what happens. Hmm. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Let let these thoughts and all this stuff in my head, you know, help me change that. I'm going to be open-minded, God that I may better do your will because I'm just going to do what you want me to do. What I'm doing doesn't work. Take away my difficulties. Take away my resistance. Take away my prejudice. Take away the things that block me from being successful with this, my difficulties, that victory over them, victory over what we call character defects later on in the steps, that my ability to step through them, I recognize them, I think them, I feel them and I'm going to continue to think them and feel them, but I'm going to do this different thing and see if it doesn't change how I think and how I feel. That victory over them may bear witness to those I would help 
Those could be people that don't think you've got a chance in this world of staying sober. Those would be people that you disappointed over and over again. And those would be people that are sitting in your meetings with the same doubts about all this that perhaps you have right now. You can be their spiritual leader. You can bear witness to those that you would help of God's power, thy power, God's love, thy love, and God's way of life, which is contained in these steps. May I do God's will, thy will, always. I'll bet you don't. But the great thing is that we can turn that key of willingness at any point in time. We may take our will back and the key of willingness will immediately work again because it's a spiritual principle. It's always there the moment we pick it up. So if you guys want to have a great discussion, focus it on that. What was it like to take this third step? There's all sorts of concepts of God. And God here in the AA Big Book is singular. It's just God, right? It's not God's or your God, or it's like the God of whatever. And our concept of God is however we want to approach it. One of the ways just to give you a quick illustration is if Miami was God, right? Miami might well be God. It's a beautiful place. If whatever your favorite place on earth was God, and, and I was in Russia and your buddies over here in Alaska and somebody's down in South America and someone's in Antarctica. There's actually a pathway in our modern world for us to get to that same place. Though on our journey there, we would meet different people. We would see different things. We would use different resources. Our experiences would be entirely different, but we would arrive at that one same place. And even when we get to that same place, we may be looking at it from different angles. You know, Miami's a big city. One part of the city is a little different than another part of the city. Some of us would see the ocean. Some would see beautiful architecture. Whatever it is, we're going to have different perspectives, but we're trying to get ourselves to this same place, the same place, this trust in a power greater than ourselves, a God of our understanding so that we can rely on that power and see that this world is orchestrating itself and how I think and how I feel is important to me and virtually no one else. And the way that I manage my thoughts and my feelings is by being able to be humble, honest, open-minded and willing in concert with and in spite of them. I hope you guys have a great discussion.